Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. And don't just say, don't don't think to yourself as I say this, well, you know, this is just reserved, you know, uh, I, I'm no evangelist. Don't, don't, don't think that of yourself because God has commissioned all of us according to his word in Mark 16 to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. This is the great commission. We're, we're all called to do this. Amen. We're all called to do this. This isn't reserved just for, you know, this person or that person. No, we're all called to go win souls for the body of Christ. We're all called to go win souls for the kingdom. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now here is today's message. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Kingdom Rock Network here where we're doing a Bible commentary teaching entitled Walking Through the Word. I'm so excited that you decided to join in with me today. I think there's something special just in store just for you. Now, I will say if you haven't already watched the previous episodes one through five, I believe. Yes, I definitely encourage you to do so. And you can find all of these located at www.kingdomrock.org. Again, that's www.kingdomrock.org. Dot O-R-G. Amen. So we're not going to prolong any time. We're going to hop right back into where we left off from episode five. We ended with the Samaritan woman or rather with Jesus uh, encountering the Samaritan woman um, at the well. We called it the uh, we called it the divine appointment. And we're going to continue right here in verse 27. So we're going to go ahead and read. And we are reading from the NLT version. Amen. All right. John chapter four, verse 27. And it reads. Then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left the water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now, let's look here at verse 27 for a second. The, the disciples, Jesus' disciples, they were shocked to find Jesus not only talking to a woman, but talking to a Samaritan. All right. But but realize Jesus is trying to teach them a lesson here. He's also trying to teach us something here if we really pay attention. Amen. See, from their perspective, from, from their limited perspective, from their carnal perspective, they see a woman. They see a Samaritan. And if you remember, as I said earlier, the Jews and the Samaritan, they didn't really get along in this particular time. All right. The, they, they saw her as, a, a again, a woman and then a Samaritan, a half-breed, an Ill, illegitimate Jew. Amen. She was a half-breed. All right. And you got to also understand that even amongst her own people, I'm sure she had quite the reputation if you remember, she had five husbands and, and she is currently on a six one, a six man who isn't even her husband. So as far as I know, I, I don't think you can keep that many marriages, you know, a secret. Amen. So. So, again, she has a reputation uh, among the Jews, among the disciples of Jesus. This is a Samaritan. This is an illegitimate child. This is an Ill, illegitimate child of Abraham. And then among her amongst her people, she's probably seen as a, a woman who can't stay committed, a woman who can't stay in a relationship, a woman who may be married again in two months. Amen. But you got but you got to understand this isn't how Jesus sees it. We got to look at it from Jesus's perspective. Yes, he sees a woman. Yes, he sees a Samaritan. But if you recall, as we talked about earlier in the earlier episode, Jesus doesn't Jesus doesn't just look at us, but he looks within us. You know, it's easy to put on a show for people or a fake lifestyle or, or, or act like we have it all together. It's easy to do that. 
All right, but the, and this may even be acceptable among, among men. If you put on a fake smile, this thing, you know, a fake lifestyle, it may be acceptable, and, and you may appease men by doing this. But understand, Jesus isn't attracted to that. He isn't attracted to fake. He's attracted to your needs. Amen. This is why he says in verse 10, he says this to the woman. If you recall, he says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. All right. So Jesus offers this woman a true way to fulfill her thirst. Jesus offers offers this woman a true way to fulfill her thirst. Verse 28 says this. The woman left the water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man, rather come and see, yeah, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the, rather the people came streaming from the village to see him. Amen. So you see this encounter that she had with Jesus, it, it turned into a evangelist because after this encounter, she, she began to go and yeah, this made it, I think I found the Messiah, you know, you know, telling everybody y'all need to come see this man. He knows everything about me. Y'all need to come see this man. All right, so you see this encounter, the, the uh, encounter with Jesus, how it can radically change somebody, how it can ra radically shift somebody. Amen? So again, the disciples saw her as one thing. Her peers, her, her, her fellow Samaritan brothers and sisters saw her as another thing, but Jesus sees the soul, and he saw that this woman was thirsty. He saw that this woman was thirsty for something more than she currently had. All right, so let's continue here in verse 31, and it reads, Meanwhile, the disciples, are, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while, he, uh, while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. All right, so let's look here at verse 34. Jesus says, uh, he, he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. All right, I want you to understand that there is a level of satisfaction that comes with walking into the purpose that God's that God has destined for you. Amen. I, I, I'll say it like this: a, a cup is made for holding liquids, right? And a car is made for driving. A pen or a pencil is made for writing. All right, and the Lord has created all of us for a purpose, and we and when we begin to fulfill that purpose that He has for us, uh, it, there's a level of satisfaction that comes with it. All right. When we begin to walk into our God given purpose and destiny and fulfill the plan according to the will of God, there will be a level of satisfaction. There will be a level of nourishment. Let's look here at verse 34. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know, the saying four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying one plants in another in another harvest. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have done the work and now you will gather the harvest. So understand here in verse 35, he says that the fields are right. What is Jesus talking about here? All right, he, he's talking about the man of the earth, the, 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 the field is the earth and the harvest, the, the, what they're going to be harvesting, the, the, uh, the harvesters are, are the people of God and, and, and the, the fruit rather that they're harvesting is the man. Amen. Even though in the last days, this is, this is true. 
All right, this is so true even in the last day. This is why we see an influx of things like, you know, new age and, and spirituality and, and all of these demonic and, 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 and crazy things that, that Satan is doing at us. He understands that the fields are right. He understands that people are hungry for truth. All right. When something is ready for harvest, it means it, when something is ready to be harvested, it, it means it's ripe. It's ready to be picked. There's people on this earth. There's people who are hungry for truth. There's people on this earth who are ready for the good news. But there has to be harvesters. Amen. And again, Satan understands this. He understands this. This is why he's trying so hard to to give a, 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 a false sense of truth. You know, a, a false truth, false doctrines, a counterfeit satisfaction of what only God can give, which is truth, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Amen. This is true for today as well. He was Jesus wasn't just talking about here, but he's talking about today in today's time. Amen. The fields are right, but there has to be harvesters. Let's look at 36 here. It says the harvesters are paid good wages, but the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. So again, we can see that the harvest that you're picking, the harvest that's being picked is the people who are brought to eternal life. Again, it says what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. So what Jesus is telling us here is that there are souls that needs to be won for him. And I believe the body of Christ truly, I think, I think that the church really, they, they, we understand this, but we don't actually put this into action. We don't actually go forth and, and, and go receive the harvest. All right, we have to stop waiting for people to come to church and we start, we got to start bringing the church to people. It, it, it's a portion of scripture that, that many believers know and, and we, we like to quote, and it's a beautiful scripture. I love it. it, it we, we hear it all the time. It says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring forth the good news. Uh, speaking of the good news of Christ, we, we read this all the time and it's, it's an amazing scripture. I love it. But you got to understand, you got to read this scripture in totality because there's more to it than just this right here. If you read it, it comes from Romans 10 and the totality of the scripture is Romans 10, 13 to 15. And it reads for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless they have heard, heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring forth the good news. Amen. So in order for the people, in, in order for people to hear the good news of Christ, in order for people to hear the, the gospel of Christ, it has to be brought to them. We got to stop waiting for people to come to the church. We, we say things like, oh, we have our, our, our church doors are wide open. And, and, and I, I get it. This is a good thing. But we got to bring the church to people. We got to stop waiting for people to come to church. It's a very important time that we're living in right now. We're living in the last days. Again, so in order for people to hear the good news of Jesus, we have to bring the good news to them. All right. And don't just say, don't don't think to yourself as I say this, well, you know, this is just reserved, you know, uh, I, I'm no evangelist. Don't 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 think that of yourself because God has commissioned all of us, according to his word in Mark 16, to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. This is the great commission. We're, we're all called to do this. Amen. We're all called to do this. This isn't reserved just for, you know, this person or that person. No, we're all called to go win souls for the body of Christ. We're all called to go win souls for the kingdom. Amen. Look at this right here. Paul tells his spiritual son, um, he says, but um, but watch thou, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. 
Amen. So we see even Timothy, uh, we, we know that, that Timothy was gifted and, and we believe that he was a teacher. But even Paul tells Timothy, you know, yeah, make full, you know, uh, make full proof of thy ministry, but also do the work of the evangelist. All right, so it doesn't matter what type of ministry that you have. If you have a teaching ministry or or a book ministry or a music ministry, that's good. May the glory may it may it bring glory to the father. But understand that you need to go win souls as well. You got to go win souls as well. Do the work of a, of a evangelist. Amen. Now, as we go on to verse 39, remember, as we talked about in, in part five, uh, the appointment that was divinely scheduled between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. This was a divine setup by God himself. This, this wasn't no accidental coincidence. This was divinely set up. And we're going to see why here, right here. So, again, if you remember, uh, um, the, the disciples didn't understand this. All right. Because they thought to themselves, remember, they said, why is Jesus talking to this woman? Why is Jesus talking to the Samaritan? They didn't understand what was going on, but Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. Amen. Understand that it was through this woman right here, this divine appointment that many were saved. It was through her that many were saved. All right. If you read here in verse 39, it says many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. So you see here, this was no, this was no coincidence. This was no accident. This was not just a, 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 a you know, a chance or, or luck. It wasn't nothing like that. This was divinely set up. That's why we called it the divine appointment because it was through this divine appointment that many Samaritans were saved. Amen. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. Hallelujah. So you see here, through this one Samaritan, many were saved. All right, through the power of her testimony, many were led to Jesus. And again, we talked about this earlier and we could spend plenty of time on the testimony. But but again, this is why it's so important when when you become even, you know, we, we can get intimidated when we uh, evangelize. Sometimes it, it's easy to get intimidated like, oh, I don't know enough scripture. Or I, I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? This woman didn't know no scripture. You know, she she had an encounter with Jesus. And from this encounter, she turned into an evangelist. So you got to understand as a child of Christ, as, as a child of the king, as a child of Jesus, as a child of the father, you got to understand that you're a child because you had an encounter with Jesus. You encountered Jesus and that's what made you give your life over to him. So whatever made you, whatever caused you to give your life to him, that's your testimony. All right, if you have nothing else, always remember that you have a testimony. If you don't know no scripture, always remember that you have a testimony. Oh, I can't evangelize. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know enough scripture. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm not a good speaker. No, you have a testimony. This woman had nothing else but a testimony, and based off her testimony, many Samaritans were saved. Amen. Go do the work of the evangelist. Hallelujah. Let's continue here in verse forty-two. And it says, then a woman, then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you have told us, but because of, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Amen. So again, understand that we understand this truth right here. We as people can't save no one. We have no power to save no one. Only Jesus can do that. Amen. The, the, the power to save someone is Jesus. The Holy Spirit, only he can do that. But we have to present Jesus to people. 
art. We can't expect people to come. You know, they'll come and they're ready. No, we need to be evangelizing the people. We need to be sharing the good news of, of, of Christ to people. We need to be sharing the gospel to people. That's why it's so essential to stay in your word. All right. You got to put what you know into action. It, it's good to read your Bible. It, th these are good things to do. It's good to spend time with the Lord, but you need to go win souls. It should be a point in your life as a believer where you get to the point where you need to go and try to win souls for the body of Christ. There are souls attached to your name. And even like this woman right here, you know, I, I, I dare not add more to the scripture, but understand, I, I'll say this right here that who, who knows, maybe it was only through this woman. Maybe it was only through this woman that Jesus could have ever reached a Samaritan. Maybe he knew this. Maybe it's only through you that that many people can be reached through you. Jesus may be Jesus may only be able to reach many people through you. That's why it's important to go and, and don't let fear grasp you and keep you back and, and, and sharing the gospel. Or I'm not a good speaker. This, that, dear. No, go forth and do the work of the evangelist. You have a testimony. Go use that. All right. If nothing else, you have a testimony. Hallelujah. All right. So let's continue here in verse 43. Uh, the, 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 the remainder of this scripture, um, rather of this chapter, uh, verses 43 to 54. And I'm going to I'm just going to read through it and then we'll come back and, and talk about it. So it reads as follows. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his hometown. Yet the yet the Galileans welcomed him. For they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled to Galilee, he came to Canaan, where he had turned water into wine. There was a government official in, near, in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked him, will you ever believe in me unless you see miracles, signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his boy was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that this was the very time Jesus had told him your son will live. And when he and his and, and he said, Rather, and he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was a second mir uh, miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Amen. So let's look here at, at verse 48. So this man who who has a sick son who, who it, you know, I, I have no kids myself, but I can only imagine this man whose son is dying. And he understands that this man who has done miracles in other places is here. He's near me. I need to go and, and beg him to come heal my son. All right. But understand this. Jesus says in verse 48, he says, will you ever believe in me unless you see a miracle signs and wonders rather miraculous signs and wonders? It's almost as if we expect God to move before uh, we believe in him. All right. And understand that it, it isn't so much that God doesn't want to, you know, do miraculous signs and, and, and wonders and things like this. It's, it's, it's not so much that he's holding back and, 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 and holding his power to himself in order to tease us. That's not what it is. But you have to understand many have a many have developed have developed a mindset. If you move God, then I'll believe. All right. But the Lord is saying, believe in me and then I'll move. Amen. It's not that God doesn't want to do miracles in us for us through us, but understand that in order for us, to, in order for this to be so, faith has to be in Him. Faith, our faith has to be rooted and planted in Him. Amen. It starts with faith. 
And, and, and notice how, you know, in many different parts of, of the Gospels, if you notice how when people had great faith, Jesus got really excited. Take the centurion soldier, for example, in Matthew 8, 5, and, and, and look at Jesus' response to faith. All right. It, it, it says, when Jesus heard the news, rather, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those from whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown in the outer darkness where, they, uh, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. All right. So you see, God wants to do these things for us. He wants to do these things, you know, or for us, miracles, signs and warnings. He wants to do these things for us and do us. But we have to have faith. Our faith must be rooted only in him. All right. Your, your, your faith is almost like a seed. You, you can't receive the fruit of a seed unless it's planted first. All right. So your faith has to be planted in God for you to see the miraculous fruit, the, the miraculous miracles that he can do for us. Amen. Your faith has to be rooted in him. All right. So so I, I say all this to make a point. What, what was the was the official? Was he wrong for one of his son to be healed? No. By, by the same token, when we want to see the miraculous from God in our lives, when in our situations, are we wrong? No, we're not wrong. The issue comes when we ask God to perform before we believe. Why? Because faith in God isn't based on his performance. It's based on who he is and what he has already spoken. All right. Understand that when let's look at verse 47, it says when he heard that Jesus had come to Judea to uh, rather from uh, come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was uh, who was about to die. And then, of course, uh, 48 says Jesus said or rather Jesus asked, will you ever believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Uh, verse 50 says, then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. So you see, originally this this man, he, you know, very, I'm sure, upset, you know, emotional, this, that, and the other, you know, coming to Jesus in a frantic, in a panic. Oh, you need to come, Jesus. My son's about to die. You need to come. You need to come. You need to come. Jesus doesn't freak out. Jesus doesn't go crazy, crazy. No, he doesn't do that. Jesus says, will y'all ever believe me unless you see signs and wonders? So what Jesus is saying is if y'all could just believe me first, you would see all these other things. But y'all y'all are asking me to perform before y'all believe in me. All right, but Let's look here at 50 again. It says before this man left, he, he, he kind of got it. He kind of understood it because it says in, in verse 50, he says, and the man believed what Jesus said. All right. So it came. It, it went from Jesus coming heal my son to I believe what you say. Amen. And this is how God wants us to be with his word. All right. Hebrews 11, one says, no, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So whatever you ask God for, whether it be a miracle, big, small, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, it, it's already, it's, it's substance, it's already materialized. And, and, but in order for it to be brought from the spiritual realm to our physical realm to be materialized, we need faith. That's what faith does. Faith brings things that are already substance that's already, you know, legit and already real. But our faith brings it from a, 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 from the realm of, of, of the invisible to the realm of the visible. Amen. But in order to build your faith to this point, to see miracles and, and things of this nature, you must first hear. What do you mean, Caleb? What do you mean by this? Well, let's look at Romans 10, 17. It says, so 
when faith comes by hearing and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So when you are looking for God to do a miracle in your life, when you're looking for God to move in your life miraculously, we, we don't wait. We don't wait for him to perform. We don't ask God to perform. And then based on his performance, we believe. No, we need to be hearers of the word. We need to be, we need to listen to what God is saying first. We need to get into his word and see what he has already spoken. And we place our faith in that. And then we will see miraculous signs. We'll see wonders and, and different things of this nature. We'll see this, but we can't expect God to perform without having faith. Our, our faith must be rooted in him. Our faith must be rooted in his word. And I understand as, as humans, as, as, as even as believers, it's, it's tough to do this sometimes. It, it can get kind of shaky. Our faith can get kind of shaky when certain situations come about. Look at this man right here. You know, his son was sick. I'm sure he wasn't thinking nothing about no faith. You know, he just wanted his son to be better. And that's how it is many times in our lives, whatever the situation may be. We look at the situation and we know God and, and, and we say we trust him, but we have to stop looking at the situation and, and get into the word of God and see what the word of God says. All right. Faith comes by hearing the word. All right. This is the word. We have the word. So in order for your faith to be built, you must get into the word. All right. You must stand on the word. You must put you must be rooted in the word. All right, it's so essential to read your Bible. It's so essential to read your word. Amen. So again, again, if you look at verse 50, it says uh, the it says that the man believed what Jesus, what he said. All right. Jesus didn't have to come. The man eventually believed what Jesus said. And I'm saying as believers, if we can just believe what the word of God says for our lives, if we can just really just stay rooted and get rooted in what the word of God says for our lives, our lives will change. We will see miracles. We will see signs. We will see wonders. We will see, we will see God move miraculously in our lives. But we have to be rooted in the word. Amen. So as we come to a close, I want you to remember that, that we have to place our faith in Jesus. Or we have to place our faith in the word. All right, don't wait for God to perform before you believe in him. It's not going to work. Don't wait for God to perform it before you believe in him. Believe in him and based on you believing in him, he will perform. All right, have faith and you'll see him do amazing things. Hallelujah. If we can just have this type of faith, we will see him perform. Amen. So that concludes chapter four. I know it's two parts, but that concludes chapter four of the book of John. All right, that's all that I have for y'all today. I pray that it has truly blessed y'all and have brought insight and understanding of God's beautiful word. Amen. And as I always say, you don't have to just do this with me. I, I pray that you that you take time alone with yourself and, and get into the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let him teach you. All right, he's, he's, he's the teacher. He's the great teacher. He's the great teacher. Amen. So let him teach you. Amen. So that's all I have for y'all today. I pray that it has truly blessed you all and I will see you all next time. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.